Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am so excited to have today's conversation because uh, it's one that I've been waiting for for quite some time. And so I'll just kind of open with this and say that Several months back, we had the good fortune here where I'm housed out of at ESU3 of hosting the sitting U.S. Secretary of Education, Dr. Miguel Cardona, who visited our service agency, which I learned later was the first visit of a sitting U.S. Secretary of Education to a service agency anywhere ever. He came to Nebraska because he wanted to hear more about the initiative that we're going to get a chance to talk about today pertaining to a grant-funded effort Uh, that was awarded to Region 6 uh, that is paired with ESU3. And so we're going to get into the details of all that. And so I certainly want to say thank you to Jen Pollack uh, and to Avery Fleck and to Sarah Eads Hamilton and to Ashley Huey for joining us for today's conversation. And as they speak, I'll give them the chance to kind of introduce themselves in their role because I'm sure they'll do a much better job of that than I'm able to. Uh, (laughs) But I want to start things off by saying welcome to the podcast. And we'll take a little bit of time to talk about where did this grant come from and and give us some of the details along with that why kind of intertwined. And so maybe we'll just take turns introducing different parts of it and also uh, kind of your passion for your work. So let's start with Jen. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jen Pollack and I coordinate our school mental health services here at ESU3. And I'm really excited to be a part of this work and of this amazing team that we have here. We really started this work a little over a year ago as we were awarded a system of care expansion and sustainability grant. And we are one of, I believe, 16 places across the country awarded this grant. We are the only educational institution that was awarded this grant, kind of the first uh, maybe ever. So that's pretty exciting. And so this work really targets providing access to school-based mental health services in eight of our most rural school districts served by ESU3. So we are out in eight school districts in Cass and Washington County here, providing support um, with some of our team members here today. We've got a couple also not on the call who are out there doing some really great work in communities and buildings that really need and appreciate the support we're able to provide. Oh, excellent. And uh, I'll invite everyone to speak a little bit to your role. So uh, Avery, if you'd go next. Yeah. Hi, my name is Avery Fleck, and I've had the opportunity this last year to work as a school-based mental health therapist in two different districts. So I am in Louisville K-12 through and then Plattsmouth High School. So I've had a great opportunity working with this grant this last year. Yeah. And as everyone gets a chance to speak, would you share a little bit about um, that prior to this grant, the need that you recognized that this uh, effort would address. And so, yeah, Avery, if you'd like to maybe speak a little bit to from just your own personal experience, this could be anecdotal. So from my experience, there has been a huge need for therapy and resources in these rural areas. I've seen that this last year, just being a lot of my students have never accessed these services before. So seeing that this year and then years previous, there is a workforce shortage. So we see that in the fact that students are constantly coming to us saying they've had six-month waits to get into therapy elsewhere. So this has provided them the opportunity to come in and meet with us at the school, and we can meet them where they are at. 
Thanks, Avery. That kind of helps frame it for us a little bit more. Uh, we'll ask Sarah to introduce herself and then also maybe expound upon that. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so I'm Sarah Eads Hamilton. I'm a clinical social worker, and I serve this year full-time as part of the Systems of Care grant in Arlington Public Schools and in Fort Calhoun Community Schools. And I mentioned I'm full-time because I had dabbled in my role as an ESU3 consultant for three years prior in a rural school district, which one of that was in Elmwood Burdock, and then they joined on to this grant. So I made the leap from behavioral coaching full-time for another local Omaha district and decided to come on and really dedicate my time full-time to clinical direct service work, um, still in schools, a school setting, which I love because that is, you in terms of really literally meeting students where they're at and meeting the needs that they bring to school and the impact of unmet mental health concerns on student learning and on staff burnout. All of that has been well-documented up to and especially after the pandemic, which laid bare the necessity of mental health and tending to mental health of youth and of families and of educators. And so embedding mental health trained clinicians right within the school setting to meet students where they are, to build staff capacity and to support at all levels that multi-tiered systems of support is genius. And now it's funded in this wonderful grant supported work that we have launched this past year. And so I've just really been pleased to join the efforts and to continue our favorite metaphors, building the plane as we fly it. So we have taken flight and it's not been as bumpy as maybe we even thought, because I think we have fantastic leadership and partnerships. That systems of care piece is really crucial and making inroads into the very appreciative and receptive districts that we are assigned. All signs point to good in terms of the progress we are making and stand to make with the continuation of our work. Oh, absolutely love all of that and I'm uh, excited to learn more. And so Ashley, I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and uh, and maybe if they've taken a number of the talking points too, uh, maybe adding a few of the factors that contribute to what's heightened the challenges for maintaining positive mental wellness for our kids. Yeah. So hi, my name is Ashley Huey. I am a school-based mental health therapist with ESU3. I'm currently working at Blair High School and then Plattsmouth K through eight. So I am in my 14th year of being a therapist and I have actually worked on the other side, um, the more traditional route of school therapy, where I'm a contracted person who comes in, sees the kiddo and then leaves. And with this grant really being Overall, we're embedded and we are able to help the schools at so many different levels. We're seeing so much change that comes not just from our one identified client, but also from the school in general. So we're meeting the needs of all students, um, being able to be more a part of the team, more having that seat at the table. Um, I think in general, just mental wellness has always been a struggle for teens. I think that this, this time of life in general for kids is hard as they're growing and changing and social aspects become much more difficult. And um, those things with the advent of social media have become much worse. And then we had a major disruption in our entire world with COVID. And now we have 
one of the most, if not the most anxious generation out there that exists with fewer resources, with the stigma that still exists with mental health, especially in the rural communities that we're working in. We really are working hard to try and erase and eradicate that that stigma that says that if you go to a therapist, you're crazy. And really trying to help people understand that we all have mental health, just like we all have physical health. And that's something that needs to be cared for. And if you're sick and have the flu, you would take care of yourself. If you are anxious, you would take care of yourself. And there's really, there's no difference there. I so appreciate because as everyone took turns in sharing there, I can really just hear the passion and the joy that you all are experiencing and being able to be this support on behalf of students. And as uh, Sarah mentioned, teachers and and really these educational systems and the enhancement that provides to their culture, right? Uh, whenever everyone is feeling a little bit better and a little bit more supported and understood and connected. So uh, in there as well, uh, you know, obviously heard that we're focused on rural schools and we're talking about embedded services. And so maybe I'll throw things back to Jen and say, from my understanding, this is a unique initiative, right? And mm-hmm. so in its uniqueness, what are some of those attributes that were obviously intentionally designed to uh, try to have the greatest impact and be innovative at uh, at the same time? Mm -hmm. I I think first of all, and this isn't unique to us, is ESUs across the state of Nebraska are poised to do this work. They're doing it already. They are contracting and providing these services to districts. Some of the things that we get the opportunity to do right now with the grant is take that contracted model and put it in the schools, embed our therapists as part of that school day, as a part of those problem-solving teams, and not only provide what you would traditionally think of as therapeutic supports, like that one-on-one 30-minute session kind of thing, but our therapists are also providing services at the tier two level. So they might run small groups and they might do that with school staff. They might just consult on an issue or a student um, that's impacting that building or district, or they might just provide some short-term services. So not as intense as that one-on-one, but still providing that level of support. We provide support um, and are a, a team member at that tier one level too. So we're supporting our classroom teachers and having conversations and offering ideas and suggestions around how do you support anxiety in the classroom or how are those skills that we're working so hard on in that one-on-one session, generalizing to the classroom and making those positive impacts on the child as a whole, but as a learner too. Um, So I think that's really unique to our model and the way we're providing services. And there's really two other big things that I'd like to add as well. One, we also have a parents peer mentorship program as a part of this work. So in collaboration with Region 6, we have trained parent mentors that have lived experience, whether that's a family member, a loved one, or themselves personally that have had a mental health challenge and have been trained to mentor other parents and families as they walk through this journey or start this journey as a family. So there's a whole layer of support. It's that phone a friend in the moment, the text a friend in a moment. What do I do? Give me some ideas to just traditional support groups on a given topic. We also have just informational newsletters and Facebook groups and things like that. So just being able to provide information in real time to families as they want or need that information in the journey. So I think that's really cool. Um, The other thing that is a major component of our work is 
the expansion of school-based mental health services, which is not only going beyond where we're at right now with our eight districts and hopefully opening it up to our entire ESU, but also the depth and the breadth of the services we're able to provide to meet the needs of the kids that are in front of us um, and the community's needs that are in front of us. So that's pretty cool. And then of course, you always wanna sustain your work. You want it to outlast you. And so one of the ways that we're exploring is insurance billing. And that's not necessarily new. What's new is we as an ESU now are a clinic, quote unquote, to bill insurance, both public and private, and provide access uh, to funds that way. All with that being said, our number one thing is we never want to turn away a family or a child for inability to pay. So we've got lots of options on the table that we have available to support our families because our number one goal is to provide access and to support great mental health services in schools. I love the the big picture of the four of those key aspects of this particular work. And maybe our next step would be then to key in on each of those individually and ask Avery, Sarah, and Ashley for just a couple examples on one, and then we'll go to the next one and bring those in. And so maybe the first place then to start would be comparing this to what maybe each of you had experienced previously in terms of the consistency of being in the schools on a regular basis and the follow-up. And I would imagine some informal conversations that come up sometimes just by being in-house versus uh, at someone's request. And so just um, speaking to some of those. And so. Uh, So my previous work, and I think Ashley alluded to it as well, is just the siloed nature of school-based mental health. The school is the setting, but in conventional models, the therapist comes in, provides the, you know, 30 to 45 minute session and they're in and out and there's not a collaborative piece and an ongoing support for the adults in the school and sometimes even the adults in the home to support the generalization of that student's skills and the support for that student's needs beyond that therapy session. And so I think this grant and the model that it promotes capitalizes on building staff capacity and collaborating. Collaboration is the name of our game. So yes, we can provide direct services, but our goal is really like any therapist to work ourselves out of a job. And we can do that most effectively by helping the school team sort of take the reins and supporting them in keeping that student on a stable track and understanding sometimes it's reframing that we offer and that consultative piece, we are right there to help the school staff understand sometimes the internalizing versus the externalizing behavior, how to understand that student's needs and how to meet them most effectively where they're at so that students can then learn. You know, it's all about the whole child. And so mental health is one part of it. And just having a team member who's a clinician, a mental health therapist embedded within the school helps to reduce that stigma, helps to be literally a physical representation of like, yep, mental health is part of it, but it's not the entire part. We are a slice of the solution pie, as I like to put it. And so letting school staff then be a part of, and sometimes I'll say like, I'm going to pull back the curtain here. I'm going to tell you what I see. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. And then I want you, I'm going to model it for you. And I'm going to work in the classroom to help you take the reins. No, you're not a therapist, but you're part of serving the whole child. And I'm going to help you do that. 
And I'm going to help the parent understand what the school is doing and engage the parent so that the parent can be empowered to help that student generalize skills and solutions across settings. So one of my favorite parts is being able to work as an individual therapist, and I'm not siloed. And then because they've signed on to the grant, the districts are like, yep, we have to work with her. She has to let us in the door. Yep, we're going to have a team meeting with her. And I'm relentless sometimes when it comes to like engaging teachers. Yep, I want to meet with you. And then being able to solve problems with the staff at the table, sometimes maybe academic problems. A student is failing a particular class. Okay, I'm going to train the staff to use, I'm a big fan of Ross Green Collaborative Proactive Solutions, formerly known as Collaborative Problem Solving. So I'm going to train the staff and build their capacity, build their confidence, because then they can use that model with any of their students. But my tier three kid, I'm going to facilitate what kind of is like akin to a family therapy session, basically, but it's the teacher, it's the school as their family in this respect. So the teacher's going to come to the table with my support, and I'm going to empower and facilitate problem solving between the teacher and the kid to reduce that student's academic stress, or another way to put that is to bolster their academic success. And then I'm kind of working myself out of a job because that strengthens the relationship and the, the working relationship between the teacher and that student. And then that teacher can then in turn continue to use it with that student or other students as they see the need. So that's the benefit of being able to be not siloed in the ways that, you know, conventional school-based therapy, the base was just the school and they afford us the space and the access to students, but we get to do so much more. And that for me feels so gratifying because that's what's best for students. So. Gosh, this makes me think of the expression, it takes a village. And now yes. for those students, uh, there's a mental health therapist as a part of their community there. Uh, and yeah. so uh, by having that and, and and to have you all as a resource, as a classroom practitioner as well, I know as a teacher, when I learned just a few different things, just enough to be dangerous, I think of love and logic, for example, is one of them where situationally there were countless opportunities to let that uh, influence my interactions with students that help them to more positively process the things that they were going through at a given time. And so to be able to glean that from your role uh, as you're there uh, working with the staff, I'm sure is even more beneficial uh, to those folks uh, and being able to support students uh, in real time as they're going through things that I'm sure at times are probably overt <laughs> with behaviors and other cues that they might need that support and sometimes a little more covert uh, also, which like you mentioned, I think a moment ago, Sarah, with grades, for example. But, uh, oh, go ahead. To your point, Andrew, yes. So part of giving us a seat at the table and Jen Pollock, who's the coordinator, her job is to help schools with their systems development. And every one of our districts is unique and in a different starting place when we've come on board within that MTSS development process. But, you know, we're exploring and part of the the grant agreement is to develop and utilize or select and then implement a universal screener, which will catch those internalizing student needs. And so you're right, like sometimes the, the students who are flying under the radar will be flagged, but then we're also equipping them with not just the awareness of the needs that are right in their backyard, right in their school, but also supporting the systems that will rise to the occasion of meeting those needs once they are discovered. So that's really important too as we're moving districts along systemically as well. Yeah, and I'd invite Ashley to maybe play off of Sarah. Yeah, it's funny that you say it takes a village because 
when I think about our grant and the work we're doing, I always think of the, like the, what is it? The proverb of, if you give a man to fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And I feel like the, the model that we're going off of is, you know, I, in my past life, I come from agency work. I'm in part of what I did in schools and I might have 40 clients on my caseload and they were all in one district and I would go to five different schools in one day. So I was in and out, in and out, in and out. And the only person I really knew at each of the schools was a school secretary. And then my sessions would be on the floor in the corner of the library or in a stairwell or in a hallway, trying to make therapy fit anywhere we could. And it was just me providing any kind of service I could to that one kid or, you know, whoever was on my caseload. Instead of now, we are equipping schools to really be that support system that all kids need. We still address the kiddos that have significant mental health challenges. And that's that tier three level. That's what we're there for, to do that one-to-one therapy. You know, we have kiddos who are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, extreme behavioral challenges, aggression, running away, where they need that one-to-one care. But every single kid in the school deserves to have some level of support. You know, research shows that when kids have a supportive adult, if they have people that pay attention and notice, they're going to be more successful. So we are teaching our schools to fish. We are teaching them how to find those kids. We're teaching them how to support every single student in the school. I have a district who uses some positive behavioral intervention systems where they have daily check-ins with their students. We have some schools that use closed gap so they can keep an eye on what students are needing to be um, really addressed or if they have issues going on, things that are used across the board. So no kid is left behind. And I know that that has kind of a negative connotation too. We think about no child left behind, but everyone needs that support. Everyone needs to have someone that's in their corner. And this provides the school the structure to do that. And if I can add, we also get to help school districts find the space to leverage the talents they already have Mm -hmm. within their buildings and districts as well. Our districts have school counselors, school psychs, school social workers, and other people who have passion and skill around this work. And it broadens our team of support and our ability to problem solve and have tools in our toolboxes from a classroom teacher, just knowing what can I do in the classroom? I'm not a therapist. What can I do to support all the kids in my classroom too? building that capacity in small group instruction or, and not just capacity, but time, time is that critical element that sometimes is missing. So we get to do all of that. And which is really cool. And I think too, off of that, one of the things that's kind of our mentality here is that we don't come in as the expert. We're just a seat at the table. We're just a member of the team. So we acknowledge and respect all of the experience and all of the passion that comes from every single person at our schools. We're just there to join with them, not to come in and be like, you do this and it'll be so much better, but we're here to join with you to be part of pulling the right direction. Um, Along those lines, sometimes we have to set that expectation is, no, we're not the expert. Like I jokingly will sometimes say, I left my magic wand in my other pants. Like, because that will help combat the fix my kid mentality that some parents bring when they put their kid in therapy or family therapy. Let's just focus on the kid. 
And sometimes, you know, stressed out, well-meaning educators or administrators are like, can you just fix this kid? Can you just meet with them? Let us know how it goes. And then like, they're not done until they're fixed. And it's like, actually, we're all a part of that village and we all have to help that mm -hmm. kid fix themselves and find, you know, their strengths and build on those and maintain safety or whatever the need might be. But like, I'm just in it with you and we're in it to win it. So. And when I think of system of care, like the true system of care model, it's collaboration amongst the school team, doctor's offices, all the people that are working with the kid. So we don't want to act as a silo. We want to come in um, and work as a team to figure out what is going to be the best plan of action for the student. And this last year, I've had the opportunity to work with one of my school districts and meet these student needs by creating groups and kind of working with the staff there to um, help them develop some different ideas on meeting multiple kids' needs at a time. So that has looked like creating grief groups. You know, the community has experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of loss this last year. And so coming at it from we can do this in a tier one or tier two level versus us meeting with the student one-on-one -on -one for therapy, um, we can still provide that as an option. But the tier two level it adds to the school and what they're already doing, and they're looking for those resources. So we can kind of provide that in collaboration with the school team. And I think also we're providing space and capacity with the school counselors. You know, in my elementary school, my school counselor has been so excited this year because I've been able to take on a lot of those kids that take a lot of her time, and she's gotten to start groups this year, which she's been so excited about. So having that team mentality of I've got this, now you can take on this has really been awesome in the development of, again, we're reaching more kids. Correct me if I'm wrong then with this. I'm going to say this as I think about it from a classroom teacher's perspective and that uh, classroom teacher, my role is to support students, obviously in learning and covering content and curriculum, those things, and also being a part of this, but that the percentage of what I have the time to allocate to that, it might be a little bit smaller than a different role, which we've referenced counselors here today. Uh, counselors historically might've been someone who filled this role a little bit more, but they also have other responsibilities. I think at the secondary level, like making sure that students are ready to graduate and able to get in uh, touch with scholarships uh, that would mm -hmm. be able to support yeah. their post-secondary endeavors. And uh, I mean, it, it is uh, a percentage that's larger than the classroom teacher, but maybe not their sole focus. And and I think too, even when it comes to administrators who, when this becomes something we're bringing in parents, uh, we need to make sure that we're getting pointed support. They have a lot of things on their plate as well. And it's tough sometimes to be the person who's going and pulling a student out who needs uh, the opportunity to get some support in a moment to talk um, and to find that time in the day is, is challenging. And so uh, is it fair to say that the role that you all play allows those to be a healthy percentage for the educators in there to be able to lean into those, not uh, in place of them having that still as a part of the, what they do, um, but as a way to not only help the student, ideally, because you're going to get that really genuine one-on-one -on -one support in that moment, but but also like systemically, there's a benefit there. Am I hearing that right? You are. And I think that's one of the things that's so important about our work is we're increasing capacities, efficiencies, and effectiveness of systems. And so when I think from a classroom teacher perspective, you're right. Their number one goal is to be the best instructional leader and help students learn and grow in that year. 
students learn and grow in an environment where they have a great authentic relationship with that classroom teacher. They learn best when they have high expectations put upon them, when they have rigor that's appropriate. And when teachers have the space and time to do that planning and dig in the way that they want to, um, then we just it's best outcomes for all. And we'll get 80%, 90% of kids just with that investment alone. But that is when our classroom teachers, those are the number one skills that they need to support all kids in the learning environment. And then when kids need that and a little bit more, then we have space for skill instruction, group, opportunities to build relationships, check-in, check-out kinds of things. And then when kids need that and a little bit more, we have the opportunity to look at things like this individual therapies, for example, if that's most appropriate. So it's tier one and tier two and, which I think is so important. So an investment in this effort uh, not only helps with learner mental health and wellness, uh, but certainly has uh, an impact across all the things that we're getting a chance to discuss here when we're talking about capacity that really applies mm -hmm. to a lot of different fronts. Uh, so love hearing that. One aspect I would like for us to expound upon a little bit more, I'm curious about the parent and peer mentors to know just a little bit more about what that looks like. Is that amongst the list of unique attributes about this work, I'm want to, in what limited time we have, press into that a little yeah. bit more. Yep. I can start. And then you guys have made referrals. So you guys can talk about it, but this is really is a unique part of our grant. So region six, we have a lead family coordinator. And so they help coordinate between our trained parent mentors that have been kind of recruited in the counties that we serve that are just available for support. And so initially when this started, it was parent mentor, mentee in that kind of text, email, phone call, mentorship relationship. And we learned quickly that that works for some, but not all. Some families are just too busy for that. And they want to just be able to read a newsletter and learn some more information or attend a support group virtually, for example, once a week or once a month or whatever it may be. So it's really evolved since we've started our work. And we, we have parents that are engaged and uh, really value that phone a friend option, the, that mentorship relationship with someone else who has lived experience to provide hope that it, it's going to be okay. We can get through this and just another important voice and person at the table to support the whole child and family is a, a huge part of that. So in terms of how it works, um, as we are taking on new clients, for example, we ask parents if they're interested and we make referrals. And so I know that you guys have probably all have had at least a parent or two um, who's engaged. So if you guys have some cool stories related to that. I don't have a story necessarily, but one of the things, I mean, I would just echo what Jen said is just how important it is. Parents are a huge part of our village and, you know, peer support in schools. There's good research about it, like the, the benefits of social learning theory and peer supports. Parents need peers too. And mental health concerns absolutely affect parents. And the stigma on mental health absolutely affects parents. It can be very isolating and shame producing. And I, I mean, my own kids, I'm a parent. When my kids struggle, am I a bad parent? Like parents grapple with these feelings of loss of control, a lack of understanding, a sense of shame and isolation. Maybe they don't want to talk about it to people within their 
family or their extended family or their social circles. And so I just really love that there is this element that's personal, but not too close. And it's all voluntary, but if they want it, it's available. It's, it's free of charge. We don't even have to be working with their kid in order for them to access um, so it could actually be even more preventative. We don't even need a kid to be seeing a therapist in order for a parent to be getting the support they need to then in turn support their kid. And what I really have appreciated, and I think it's kind of a, a selling point when I'm explaining and encouraging parents to consider it, is that it's not parents from within their community because we're small towns. This is a rural setting. And so I think a comforting factor for certain families, maybe more than I think, is that the parent peer mentor is not one from their community. It's someone trained and maybe has lived experience in a rural community setting, but it's not someone so close to home that they would feel too vulnerable um, to utilize the support. So I really like that feature as well. And I would say as far as having the support for them, one of the things we even talked about today in, in supervision with our team is generational trauma. And understanding that so many of our kids are coming from traumatized families where it's just over and over and over again, parents that struggle to parent because they don't, they weren't parented in healthy ways. So as we're trying to break the cycle uh, that we see with just the client in front of us, the parent peer mentors are there to provide support to help them feel like they can be effective parents as well, which just then in turn helps our kiddo helps our community, helps break the cycles of trauma and violence and, and the things that we see. Well, having learned a little bit more about that parent peer mentor role, and thank you for um, expounding upon that a little bit, uh, just leaves me kind of curious to know what's next for this group. Having had the opportunity, like you said, about a year ago, this was the opportunity to start to build the plane and then fly it and build it at the same time. Uh, and a year in, what are some things that you feel like have been takeaways from this experience that you're excited to enhance and build upon moving forward? I want to continue making an impact in the lives of educators, schools, <laughs> communities, kids, and families. And we are well on that trajectory. And what we're doing is really powerful and cool. And I love getting to watch it unfold in front of me. I think one of my favorite things about this grant is that it creates accessibility. And so continuing that for these communities, allowing them to have this as an option, have it, have it as a resource that they can use, I think will be so important in the future as we're continuing to fly this plane. I think that as we continue to work and embed in our schools and they are seeing the positive progress that the students are making, that the school is having the effects of, our schools have more buy-in and the more buy-in that they have to the program, the more they're willing to support the different ideas that collaboratively we may present and try and implement. So I'm excited to see how our schools continue to really dig in with this idea of our tiered system and the supports and um, the classroom teachers and administrators and all the things that we're trying to help support. I, I just am excited to see where this goes in the next few years. I don't know that I have much more to add. I have positive anticipation of like hitting the ground running. So our first year is below our belt. You know, we've more than met the learning curve. We have had a, a school year of building relationships, key relationships with our partners within schools and within the communities. And so all of those 
bode well for hitting the ground running and building on the work we've done and doing so even faster. We've got our referral process. We got the paperwork down. We've got our people. We got a couple of people doing some turnover. So we got some new exciting team members coming on board. But I mean, we've got momentum in a way that I'm so excited to see ongoing results and even faster from the start of the school year. And we don't even, the other thing is we don't even have to stop. Like we get to provide services over the summer for the students who need it most, which is also really unique. And so that's the nice thing too, is like we can do the continuity of care even within an educational model where it's needed and warranted. So that's a nice feature too, I think, of our work. Going off of what Ashley had said, I think the buy-in is going to be huge for you know, other states, other ESUs to see this. Um, so hopefully in the future, there will be more access to mental health services. And it's not just here, it's it's everywhere. Yes, I get so excited when we have opportunity. That's why I want to do the podcast all the time is because one, there are amazing things happening within our state that sometimes people aren't even aware of these innovative efforts that are unique and one of a kind. They're doing great things on behalf of communities and teachers and administrators and kids. And uh, I get so excited to hear that too, to be able to have a conversation with educators who love their job and feel the momentum behind it. And I think sometimes, especially this time of year when the end of the year is approaching and we are really just trying to like fly this plane on fumes until May to kind of get back to that metaphor. Um, <laughs> you know what? It is encouraging to just hear people who love what they do and are motivated to get up each and every day and to continue that work and, and to see it grow uh, and to be invested in that together. Uh, and so thank you all for taking a little bit of time today to share your excitement, that momentum and the amazing things that you're doing uh, with all of us who are listening to this podcast. And so for folks that are interested in learning a little bit more about the grant beyond the conversation today, where could they go to access uh, some of those details and to continue to follow this effort as it evolves? We have a really cool website. It is SMHS. Dot esu3.org. Um, we got some great videos that feature some of our schools and our youth that we serve and talk about the different uh, elements of our program. And we're constantly growing and expanding that. So that's our kind of one-stop shop. Terrific. Tell and all your always, friends. <laughs> uh, well, terrific. And I, as always, we put our links uh, in the show notes. And so if anyone would like to access that directly, you can catch that there. But uh, uh, to Jen, to Avery, to Sarah, to Ashley, uh, and everyone invested in this work and anyone wanting to reach out. Um, yeah, gosh, thanks so much for your time. And really looking forward to maybe having you back a year from now to kind of hear what year two brought. But thanks so much for sharing today. Thank you so thanks much. Thank you.